Today, Pastor Ray Bentley takes us to the Lord's warnings to the religious leaders who knew the law but didn't really know the heart of the giver of the law. It's possible to be a person who has great Bible knowledge and yet not know what the Bible is really saying, let alone be able to experience the power of the Bible. You can know and have Bible knowledge, yet not fundamentally know the scriptures. Spread Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. We can mark our Bibles, but it's more important that our Bibles mark us. Knowing the words of Scripture without knowing and applying the meaning of God's Word is missing the mark. Today, we'll learn to know Scripture in a way that helps us know the author of Scripture much better. Here's Pastor Ray now to begin. Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, and verse 23. It says, on the same day, the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him, Jesus, and asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses said that if a man dies, having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were with us seven brothers. The first died after he had married. And after no offspring, he left uh, his wife to his brother. And then likewise, the second also, and then the third, and even to the seventh. And last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had her. Jesus answered and said to them, you are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage but are like angels of God in heaven. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was written or spoken to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitudes heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. So we're going to talk about the reality of the supernatural. The Sadducees who say there is no resurrection. Here's the first, we call it life lesson. It's really the first application point, what is applicable to our lives, and we'll get it from the teaching. So here's the first one. True intellectuals, that's who the Sadducees were, and considered themselves, called themselves the real intellectuals of ancient Israel, believe in the supernatural. So, you know, you have basically 2,000 years ago, two main groups uh, religiously within the Jewish community of ancient Israel under the Roman Empire, you had the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So the Pharisees kind of believe all the spiritual stuff, and, and they believe everything from Genesis uh, to the last of the prophets, and they believe in the resurrection and angels and life after death and, and all of that, but, but they can get a little bit legalistic at times. So you remember them as they're not always fair, you see, that's a Pharisee. And on the other hand, you have the Sadducees that do not believe at all in the resurrection or angels or spirits, and that's why they are sad, you see. So that's how you tell the difference between the Pharisees who are not always fair and the Sadducees that are always sad. <laughs> 
but in spite of the fact that it says on the same day. So the group of Herodians and the Pharisees, they had their angle, kind of a religious angle question for Jesus, and he answered that. Now we have another group, the Sadducees. They were the priests primarily in charge of the temple worship in Jerusalem, which is interesting once you find out a little bit more how they operate and what they believe. They were very different from the Pharisees who were basically the ancient, you know, Orthodox Jews. They would be similar to the Orthodox Jews of our time. The Pharisees had far larger numbers. The Sadducees were far fewer. There were not many in number, but they were all basically very wealthy, very smart, very materialistic, aristocratic, and they wanted to be in charge and governing. They were the elite. They were the intellectuals. And they ran kind of the game that was going on there, as it were, in the Temple Mount. Even their name, Sadducee, you know what it means? Righteous ones. I'm a Sadducee. I'm a righteous one. They were the ancient version of what we would call modern liberal theologians. And what I mean by that is, look, there's Uh, you know, if you want to say in general between liberal or conservative. So conservative being, yeah, I believe the Bible. It is what it is. It says what it says. It's all good. It's all believable. And it's all true. Then you have the liberals that, yeah, they study it from a, it's, you know, these are real peoples that really existed. And some of the history is probably true. Some of it's probably mythological. There's historical information, but it does have spiritual roots. It gave form and value. So they kind of, yes, but we don't necessarily believe in all the supernatural stuff that was just added in by the ancient people at that time. They were the rationalists of their day. If I can't see it, measure it, and look at it, don't tell me about all this stuff lying around that nobody can see. And even as there were ancient Sadducees, there are modern Sadducees. And a a modern Sadducee can be kind of religious, you know, kind of not exactly antagonistic against God or Christianity. Religion has its place, it has good points, it has bad points. They kind of look down on the Bible, judge it, this is what we accept, this is what probably just as man-made. And they're kind of the authority ruling and reigning over it. That was, in a sense, the Sadducees. But here's what they did accept. So let's say at that time there was no New Testament. It's just as we would call it the old. But they, the Sadducees, said the only five books that we believe is, has some divine authority or inspiration are the first five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy kind of how it all got started and how the Jewish nation got started with Abraham and all that. And then God gave the law. So we got to, here's what's right. Here's what's wrong. That's who we are. That's all we accept. Now they did give acknowledgement, a head nod. Yeah, there were prophets, but we can't say authoritatively that they were all right, or it was all literally from God and the wisdom literature and the Psalms of some music and all of that. But they did not put that on the same level as the only authoritative Books that are inspired are the first five books, and all the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, were written by Moses. And so some of the representatives from this group now approach Jesus with a theological question. It's a hypothetical. It's not a real family or situation. But, you know, uh, intellectuals like to deal with the hypothetical, and so, and they were very smart. Ironically, though they themselves did not believe in the resurrection, The question they come to ask Jesus is all about the resurrection. And they want to know, so we know there is this law that is written down 
And so I want to read again, uh, beginning in verse 23. We'll read what they said. It says, so the same day the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him and saying, teacher, Moses said, so they respect Moses. That's important. If a man uh, dies having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were with us seven brothers. The first died after he had married and having no offspring left his wife to his brother. And likewise, then the second came and then the third and even to the seventh. So then last of all, the woman and she died also. And therefore in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be for they all had her? Now this all comes from a, a law in Deuteronomy chapter 25, and it's very interesting that this is in the law, the Torah, and it was a vital protection for women in the ancient world. Listen, the Bible was unique, Israel was unique, and this law was very special and unique, very important for women. Listen, even then, God was looking after and caring for uh, the women, especially if their husband died, and now they're widowed, or they are childless, in the ancient world, you know, there's no safety net. You are vulnerable financially, and then all of the, you know, battling for food and illnesses and all of the responsibilities of a life and so forth. So God had a, he had a safety net and he built it into the, the community life of the people. He said, I want you to stand out, be an example to the rest of the nations who are worshiping false gods. We love, you're a family, you're my family. I'm like your father. I want you to take care of your brothers and sisters, take care of one another. So if a woman's husband dies, then, uh, and she's you know, uh, a widow and she has no children, then the next brother shall marry her and then be able to provide a child so she will have, and he has to protect her and provide for her and take care of her. And that's what God had designed. It was very beautiful and it, it took care of women and the poorest and the most vulnerable that were in that situation. But in this hypothetical, so the first guy dies, so then his brother, he takes it, but then he dies, and then he has another brother, and the third guy marries the same lady, and then he dies, and then number four, if I'm number four, I'm going, I don't know if I wanna go through with this. <laughs> and four dies, and then number five comes, and he dies, number six comes, and he dies, number seven comes, and he dies, and then the woman dies. <laughs> So which one? Now, when they say, so which one in the life to come, basically saying, oh, you crazy people that believe in this resurrection, so which one's gonna be the husband out of the seven? Number one, or is she like number four, or did they get to vote on it, or how's that all work out? They were basically making fun of the resurrection. Uh, they were making light about the supernatural, making it seem ridiculous, ludicrous. And by the way, there are people today, highly educated. And I wanna add, not only highly educated, they're really intellectual. They're very, very smart. They're well-learned. They are well-read. And many of them know the Bible very, very well. They can quote the Bible. They know the story of the Bible. They can go from Genesis and the whole story of Abraham and then Isaac and Jacob on into Moses and through the wilderness and into the promised land and the kings of, David and Solomon and on through the prophets and then you'd have the church and then gospels and then the book, of, you know, Christ in the gospels and the church in the book of Acts and on into the revelation. They know it all. They can quote the Bible. They have a lot of knowledge about the Bible. They know the Bible, but they don't know the author. 
Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Since Pastor Ray went to heaven, so many listeners have shared comments on what his teaching means to them. I met Pastor Ray when I was really young. Looking back, I realized he was pretty young too. I remember him praying for me as I was going through a challenging time. His kindness and great faith encouraged me. I can hardly think of another person who packed as much life into so relatively few years. I look forward to seeing him again one day. Although he's gone home, his teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website at www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. I want you to note this. Jesus reveals that such a theology creates a blind spot in regard to the full revelation of God's truth. As King, Messiah, when Jesus answers their question with such clarity and with such conviction, they are stunned and I'm talking the brightest of them, struck silent. They can't even give a follow-up question. The first thing that Jesus says is, uh, you are mistaken. Others would translate that you are ignorant. If you're an intellectual, listen to me, the last thing you wanna be called is ignorant. But that's exactly what Jesus says, you are mistaken, you are ignorant. He's not calling them names, he is just saying, you're wrong, and now I'm going to show you why. And he gives two reasons. Number one, you don't know uh, the scriptures, you don't know the power of God. Jesus brings it. Now, here's what's interesting about the whole issue of the Sadducees and the Pharisees and resurrection. As Judaism continued to move forward, later Judaism came to a conclusion and affirmed the resurrection, that if you're Jewish, you believe in the resurrection. And they wrote it into a book they call the Talmud, their understanding, their interpretation of the Word of God. Here's what it says in the Talmud, the Jewish Talmud, quote, all Israel shall share in the world to come, and these will have no share in the world to come. He who says there is no resurrection of the dead. So basically, up until now, to be really Jewish and to be religious in that sense, you must believe in the resurrection. Again, Jesus says it's important for us to know the Scriptures and then to know the power of God. The Sadducees could connect their thoughts to the Bible, but they hadn't really thought through the passage correctly. They were highly trained men who were mistaken in their understanding of basic biblical truth. So again, it's possible to be a person who has great Bible knowledge and yet not know what the Bible is really saying or understand the Bible, let alone be able to experience the power of the Bible. You can know and have Bible knowledge yet not fundamentally know the scriptures. So the Sadducees denied everything supernatural. They denied all angelic beings. They totally denied bodily resurrection, they basically had a doubt of the power of God to go beyond what you could see with your eyes, measure in a physical world. And again, there are Sadducees who are still with us. And I just wanna say this, if you have, you know, those who are here listening, 
And I know that there are Sadducees who like going to churches, and they like listening to sermons, and they're interested in spiritual things, though they have a limiter that they go, well, I'll go this far with you, but I won't go beyond that. And I'm going to pray because I want us to pray for the Sadducees, and I'll tell you why. This whole conversation and this question and how Jesus answers and when we get to finally what he said to them, I believe that there were Sadducees there that day who were totally with their intellectual elite brothers who literally their minds were blown, whose world was turned upside down and inside out, whose trajectory changed, and some of those very Sadducees later became followers and believers that Jesus is the King, the Messiah, the promised one who rose from the dead, and there were Sadducees who were part of the early church in the city of Jerusalem along with some Pharisees as well. Can I hear an amen on that? So I don't give up on Sadducees. And I believe that Jesus loves talking with Sadducees and intellectuals. And what I have found is that oftentimes a Sadducee is someone who, when they were younger, believed it all. They believed in God. They believed in the Bible. They believed in divine inspiration. They believed in the life hereafter. They believed that there's a day of accountability and judgment. They believe in angels. They believed in the resurrection. And they were, they were part of the whole deal. But then, invariably, what I have found in my conversations with what I would call the Sadducees, some of them have been friends and close people that I have known, there's always invariably a time and a place in their life that they can bring to me. Because I I like to, you know, ask, so when did this happen? You know, because they'll say, oh, I used to be like you. I used to go to church. I believed all this stuff. Yeah, but then. I go, okay, so then they tell you what they believe now. Okay. So when did this start? When did this begin? And invariably, there is something that happens where a wound, there's a hurt, there's a disappointment. I prayed for something, you know, to use an analogy. I prayed, and I believed in a God who is good and a God who's like a father, and he's all-powerful, he can do whatever he wants. And my mom was suffering, and she was agonizing, and I cried out as a young man or a young woman, and I said, God, if you're who you claim to be, then you heal my mom. And then my mom was not healed, and my mom died, and I, something clicked in me, and I said, that's it. Okay. And they make a deal, and they're basically challenging. It's not that they don't believe, but it's almost a reaction to the one they did believe in, but they're, now they're going to say, okay, I won't believe in you anymore, because you didn't use your power, but they're the ones that were in charge of understanding what should happen, how God should use his power. They make a little deal that from now on, I'll believe in you know, the good parts that I will accept, but I will choose what I will believe, what I won't believe, how I will live, how I won't live. And their own version, they start making it up. And I just want to say that, that the enemy is there. He knows those moments where you made a, a deal, you made a covenant, and you didn't realize it, but... The enemy is there going, yeah, so a God of love, he is all powerful. You prayed your little heart out and look what it got you. You hear stories of other people that get healing, supernatural things, and maybe it happens for them, but it didn't happen for me. God, you know what, your, your distance. And I believe that there is a barrier there. There's a wall there. It's in your past. And some of, you know, some don't even remember exactly where it was, but it's buried and it's very deep. 
but I want you to know that God can expose it. God can break that wall down because those who live behind that wall, not believing, not trusting, not accepting God for who he is, not letting God be God, not that I'm in charge to tell him how to rule, how to live, how to use his power according to my little needs and wants, that there might be things I don't know. There might be history that I don't have. There might be things I don't see that God sees because God is God and I am not. And that, I, that you come to a moment where you go, you know what, here's what I want to say to you, any Sadducees or maybe someone that you know, I pray in the name of Jesus that God will open your eyes. I pray in the name of Jesus that God will reveal to you, no, he is uh, supernatural, it's all real, and he loves you, and he's been knocking on the door, and that's why you still go to churches and listen to sermons or go on YouTube or try to figure life out. But I'll also say this, the fruit of being an elite, intellectual, wealthy, I gotta, take, I gotta look out for myself because God didn't look after me when I really needed him. That's why they kind of bunker down in that way. And I want to say this, that in, behind that wall, there's a level, when you replace God from letting him be God whenever way he wants to be God, and you become kind of the center of your little world, a high, extremely level of anxiety comes upon you, because now it's all on you. It's no longer on God, it's on you. And there's anxiety, and you can deal with a level of anxiety for months, maybe years, maybe a few decades, but I'm telling you there's a certain point at which anxiety flips and goes from anxiety to depression. And depression clicks and it goes to other areas of even greater darkness. And the enemy's got you trapped. And you are headed toward a very lonely, dark, empty, lonely place. But I want you to know this. God has followed you all that way. He loves you. He's with you. He's pursuing you. He doesn't give up on you. He's setting you up. He's sending people. He'll set up angels. He'll have you all of a sudden see something, even online or whatever, and, and it's like coming at you about, wow, the truth or a miracle or a healing or the supernatural. No, God is still real. And in the name of Jesus, I pray for you that God will, that you'll just say, you know what? If you're suffering, and I believe that every Sadducee is suffering alone on the inside of their little castle behind their walls, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will say, you know what, maybe, you know, because how's this working for you? Obviously not so well, because you're still searching and you're still looking. So maybe you can say, maybe I shouldn't have made that deal. Maybe I shouldn't have made that agreement. Maybe I shouldn't have held God to my understanding. Maybe I need to let go and let God be God. And God, if you can take my hurt and my pain and my misunderstanding, and if you can fix me and heal me, and let God be God. Look, He will come. He is awesome. He's amazing. He's powerful. He's supernatural. My own experience, you know, I, when I was uh, 10, I got saved, and then I started going to the church. Then I started hearing about the Holy Spirit. It is real. The spiritual is real. The supernatural is real. And I pray that God will open all of our eyes. Can I hear an amen on that? Pastor Ray Bentley with good counsel today on opening our eyes to the very real world of the supernatural. Glad you've joined us for our studies in the Gospel of Matthew here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, Heaven is Now. 
If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at RayBentley.com. That's RayBentley.com. There at the homepage, there's a place to leave a written tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And by clicking Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can arrange to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions each day automatically at no charge, and also link to his YouTube and Facebook pages. So why not bookmark it, raybentley.com? And you'll find Pastor Ray's books, including his brand new one, The Final Witness, and The Cyrus Mandate, both page-turning prophetic fiction novels in the Elijah Chronicles series. You'll see End Times Prophecy in a whole new light. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Matthew. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.